on 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and a lady who I have loved chatting to over the years and looking forward to having a chat with her about her latest project, Beyond the Fire, Danielle McAlpine. Johnson joins us uh, via the wonders of June, of Zoom even. How are you, Danielle? I'm so well, Clayton. How are you? I'm doing well, except I can't talk properly at the moment. But other than that, I'm fine. Um, Danielle, this is awesome. You know, people might have seen uh, your entire series, Beyond the Fire, on uh, Channel 10. And I know nowadays it's awesome because, you know, it's up on 10 play now and people are going to be able to watch it for months to come, which is fantastic. Uh, It must be a thrill to get to this situation where you've, had your whole series aired? Uh, It's so humbling and I'm just so grateful that we actually made it to the finish line, to be honest. It was, um, you know, I've had some pretty challenging projects in the past, but I think this one um, was extra challenging in the sense that we we made it throughout the pandemic. So there was a lot of different guidelines and things we had to squeeze into in order to get it done. But yeah, feeling pretty overwhelmed and, and really blessed. Thank you. Yeah, you've written, directed, produced this. So maybe for those who haven't seen it, um, give us the 20-second the headline of, of what Beyond the Fire actually is. Sure. So uh, Beyond the Fire is a seven-part documentary series following the unsung heroes of the Black Summer bushfire crisis as they recreate life from the ashes. And it's really got a very strong theme of, of mental health awareness through it and um, sharing some pretty courageous and resilient stories of those people in East Gippsland who were affected. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is a quick turnaround, you know, in terms of TV worlds uh, to take something for, that occurred and only happened last summer uh, and then produce it, as you said, in the middle of, of COVID, you have to be there and do all of that. Take us through the process of how this actually came about, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of footage here of people actually involved in helping and doing that. That, that must have been a decision very early on after the, the, the fires last summer that you said, let's do something like this. Yeah, sure. Um, so we, um, a couple of friends and, and, and my cousins and I uh, were really blessed to head up to the fires whilst they were actually still burning up in um, Galantope and we followed a, um, a hay one that was was happening up there and um, the whole series really burst out of that experience to be honest it was um, it was quite life-changing to be able to see um, some of the impact that was was happening on those people on the front line whether that be the farmers or the CFA um, or just the community in general it was it was an eye-opener and um, I think I've said it a few times, but often these these stories are missed because the the media does a fantastic story of sharing um, sharing the catastrophe and everything that's going on, but those grassroots stories of the people's hearts and what they're going through are, are sometimes missed. So we really wanted to capture that in in a in a series. And after that that um, that trip we were able to put together yeah a seven part series around some pretty sensational people yeah can we just take it from that moment of you know when you, you do a trip and you go okay this is something we now want to do uh, where on earth do you start to say okay i need to find the people that we want to talk about i, I need to actually go are we going to be able to have people who would pay for this so i can actually do it where do you start in that and especially in a time of crisis where no one's necessarily majorly thinking, oh, yeah, the really important thing we need to do now is make sure we've got video cameras around and, and, and recording what's going on and, and, and doing the, you know, it's just get on the ground and, and help people. How do you actually take that journey and, and start involving others? 
Yeah, I am. Um, I'm really blessed to have some people in my life that um, are, are great connectors. And um, Sally Jones from Gippsland, Jersey, who I think you guys know, yep. she's um, she's been a, a big part of my support throughout this this series. And she connected me um, with a lady who potentially may have been interested in just a small amount um, to help us get it across the line. And and so Emma, um, who is now actually the, the president of the Victor Victorian Farmers Federation, um, and she's another believer. So they're both believers, which is really cool to be able to align with people who um, have big hearts for humanity. And she, she put up uh, the initial amount for us to just get a bit of a kickstart trailer happening um, and then was able to pitch that pitch that through to an incredible woman. Um, her name's Sue Medson. She's from... Uh, an organisation called Gippsland Lakes Complete Health and, and they're primarily um, focused on the mental health of Gippsland um, and they had a panel of, of people um, from everyone from the Flying Doctors to, um, you know, just many organisations in, in the region that are, have a real fo focus on that and before you know it, <laughs> the ball just started rolling and people were really quite impressed with the trailer, um, thankfully. And it, it touched a lot of hearts and, and she was able to pull all of those people in within um, her network and within um, a partnership called Connect Well. And uh, they put the money up for the, for the whole series, which was quite remarkable. And, and it was a real testimony actually, because I had laid it down. I, I felt in my spirit that the series was going to happen um, and had a bit of a map in my head of, of what it might look like, but I laid it down for four months and literally the very same day, both the funding body and Network 10 both called me and said, we, we want to green light this. So it was, I know that it was something supernatural. Yeah, wow. or something. It was just meant to happen. And, you know, I get tingles all over when I think about that because it wasn't me, it, it's something greater. And, yeah. and that's important to recognize, I think. Yeah. And, and I mean, all I was going to ask you about uh, how faith impacts you. I, I know you, Danielle, in terms of, you know, the conversations we've had, you are, you are so on fire about your faith, your relationship with Jesus. This, this documentary specifically is not a, a faith-based one. It is actually just to look at it. But um, from your perspective, you sort of can't avoid the, the moments and the opportunities that you've had that, uh, you know, God's allowed those moments to happen. It seems anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, everything we do, um, is is based on our faith um whether whether it's obvious or not to people in our hearts we're we're really there to serve humanity and serve um in in the best way we know how and you know not you, you don't always get it right sometimes um we make mistakes we are human but um i think for the most part this this project was it was really god breathed and and the impact that it's had on the community and um even the crew, like my beautiful crew, who I'm so close with, um, there was 10 of us and we were able to escape Melbourne. Um, I was able to live pr pretty much live back down in Gippsland on my dad's farm after losing mum, which was another one of those things that was just divinely orchestrated, you know, to be able to be down there with him, with my kids and my husband and be in the open air writing this show about Gippsland um, for the people of Gippsland. Um, it, it was it was really overwhelming. And um, I think people, the response that we've had, um, and I say this from a, a place of uh, hopefully of humil humility, but um, they've, they've really responded in a remarkable way. And, and they've, so many people have reached out and, and thanked us for making it, which is, um, 
that's the that's the greatest blessing we could ask for or the greatest outcome we could ask for you know the ratings and all that's fantastic but if you're impacting the hearts of the people that were affected by the fires then you know you, you've won in my in my eyes and and yeah, yeah the community's really responded in a beautiful way yeah, we're going to talk um, next break after a song or so that uh, a little bit more about some of the specific episodes. And, and as you said, there's this real sort of feel across all of it around focusing on mental health and, and how does that get improved after something like a devastation, devastating fires like what, what occurred. Can we just stay with you specifically? Here you were, you said you're down at your, your dad's farm, you're writing about Gippsland in the midst of it. Um, take us through some of the, the personal journey for you around that. I, I don't know too much of the past. Was it an area you grew up yourself? Is it is it an area that now it's sort of been more later in life you visited? Take us through that personal connection as you write that. And I suppose all, also as a, you know, a, a maker of a documentary, you don't want to put too much of yourself in. It's about others. So how do you find that balance? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I'm an eighth generation Gippslandian. So my family has um, been there for for eight generations and I grew up in Longford on a, um, a small hobby farm. We had horses and, and cows and chickens and ducks and dogs and cats and um, all the works. And it was it was such a beautiful life um, living there. And it wasn't until I moved to Melbourne to study teaching that I actually um, left my, my hood down there in Gippsland. So to be able to be back down there riding and connecting um, with locals, it, it um, I think off, off the back of losing mum to cancer um, 18 months ago, it, it was really special because I, I'm still grieving. And I, I think for about a year, I actually put my, my grieving on the shelf and I didn't grieve at all. So I believe that this project was a part of my grieving process. And although a lot of the people, well, actually every, all of the people we featured in this show, um, no one actually lost um, a loved one to the fire but they certainly lost assets and they certainly lost their livelihood and and many things and that's grief in itself so I was able to pour a lot of my grief out into the script and into um, the direction that the show was taking which was beautiful for me but it was also um, I think it, it worked in a way where you've got to gain the trust of, of those people that you're you're directing and you're interviewing um, and I think the fact that they could see my vulnerability and often I, I, I tear up on set, it's just who I am. Um, but I think the fact that they can see that vulnerability and they can see that there's some pain there, it actually allows them um, the, the platform to open up as well and be quite transparent about some of the hard stuff that they're going through. So it was equally healing, I think, for all of us. And we've actually just become a really big family, like all of the cast and crew. It, I know that we're going to be friends for life. Yeah, that's wonderful. Danielle McAlpine Johnson is my guest. We're going to be back. She's written, directed, produced Beyond the Fire, which was on Channel 10 recently, looking back at the, the fires from last year and the impact, uh, especially as we've talked about through that idea of how do we come back from that in mental health spaces and, and other areas as well. We're going to talk a bit more specifically about some of those. Um, and as we mentioned, Danielle, you know, I'm, I know you're pretty pumped the fact that it's sitting on 10 play now. People can watch it. You know, nowadays it's great. You don't just have to watch it in that moment. Uh, as well. So we'll be back with Danielle in a couple of minutes' time here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and Danielle McAlpine Johnson is uh, joining me. She's the writer, director, producer of the TV series, uh, which is on Channel 10. It's on 10 Play at the moment as well. Beyond the Fire, looking back at last summer's bushfires, the devastation, especially through Gippsland, 
uh, and then the way that community needs to rebuild on a whole host of levels. We often think of rebuilding maybe an economic sense or even a physical sense of buildings, but I know part of what you've looked at, Danielle, through this is very much that mental and emotional and, and perhaps arguably even also the spiritual sense, which is those sort of unseen ways of rebuilding, isn't it? Is, is that a way that you actually looked at this series, that it was almost those unseen things or, or is it that just how it played out? Yeah, no, we, we absolutely went in um, with the intention to highlight the fact that although the fires have passed and, and people are starting to rebuild, um, the impact on people's mental health is quite significant still and, and people are only just starting to heal and, and seek help. So, um, so, yeah, we absolutely went in with that intention because uh, we have seen an increase, um, unfortunately, with the rate in suicide down in Gippsland since um and 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 that's that's um you know that's overwhelming whether that be you know i'm not a professional but um whether that be because of the fires or the pandemic but it's a very very important topic that needs to be at the forefront of our conversations yeah now you you've focused each episode of the documentary on a slightly different bent it's always has that feel of what you've said as it went in there uh, can you maybe take us through one or, or two of those? Um, just how did you look at them? Why dive into some of these topics, that, those sorts of things? Sure. It was really important, I, I guess, for us to be able to give a voice um, across the board. You know, there, there was um, in episode three, there was an incredible group of youth that uh, created the sanctuary out of Malakuta. And um, their story is just amazing. I mean, they all, they were locked in, as everyone knows, Malakuta, there's only one way in and way, one way out. Um, and they were locked in and they all experienced that fire together. And, and what birthed out of the ashes for them was this amazing youth group um, of, of teens that are very, very passionate about climate change. And, and they've experienced climate change firsthand in the sense that um, their, their town was destroyed in front of their eyes because of the magnitude of this fire. And so to be able to give these guys a voice and, and to be able to, um, I guess, provide a powerful voice of youth to those viewers out there that that are youth themselves uh, was a really amazing opportunity for us. Um, we've actually had a few high schools contact us and ask if it's okay that they put that episode into their curriculum this year, which was, it, you know, that just blows my mind because I started off teaching. <laughs> um, so that, that, that just really excites me that the messaging and everything that we're doing is reaching the hearts of those guys. Um, and then episode four, we've got the Indigenous mob from um, Glawak, and they are just the most sensational, beautiful humans. And I have a, have a real heart for our Indigenous um, First Nation people and, and to be able to, um, I guess, provide a platform for those guys to say, hey, this is how we suggest we manage this and, and, and allow us to manage our land um, the way that we know how to and have done so for the last you know, 65 plus year, uh, thousand years. Um, that was just so humbling. And, and, and then you've got the farmers in some of the other episodes who have obviously been running the land for, yeah. for seven, eight generations. And, and they know some of the protocols and some of the things that need to happen and change in order for perhaps the magnitude of this fire repeating itself. And, and then you've got the CFA who are on the front line as well. Um, so it was really important to, to give all of those people a voice in this. And we wanted to really showcase a multifaceted view of the experience of the fire and not only the experience, but the, um, I guess the way forward um, for these guys in the future. 
Yeah. Um, as you've had this rather incredibly unique experience of writing something up, then going and actually filming, because, you know, especially documentary, you can write all you like, but it, once you get out there, it all could change <laughs> on you. Um, and, and experiencing and hearing maybe a First Nations people talking about, hey, this is the way we actually could run the land better. Uh, farmers talking about, well, this is what we know is coming, you know, a CFA looking at it from their perspective, local kids, mental health, all of the things that you're talking about. As you step back, as you, you finish all of that, what do you actually learn about fire uh, for yourself? And, and I suppose I ask that in, in the multifaceted ways. Is there some physical things about fire that maybe we should be looking at and doing better? But are there mental ways where you need to approach fire and, and what that means in different ways. Is there learnings that you sort of stand back and take from this, Danielle? Yes, absolutely. Um, I guess the first the first part of your question, there are certainly things that we can be doing, um, I believe, and it's only my opinion, but I have spoken to quite a few people that have been impacted by this fire. And um, I, I believe that some of the things we need to be doing is, is listening to lo local knowledge. And I, I believe there's a huge gap between um, those people that are uh, putting the policies in place um, in metropolitan areas and those that are on the front line, whether that be the farmers, the Indigenous, the CFA or the communities that are impacted. Um, Emma uh, from the VFF, she, she put it beautifully when she said, we need to recognise that there are people on the front line of these policies that we put in place. Yes, the figures may look great on paper and um, the time of backburning or the amount of you know, um, acreage that we do backburn um, may look great on paper, but is it translating to the communities and those that are impacted um, greatly on the other end? And I don't think it is. I think there's a big gap between um, those that are making the policies and those that are being impacted. And I think we somehow need to be able to bridge that gap between metropolitan and, and um, remote areas to, to ensure that some of these policies are changed. And do you have any ideas from, from the conversations you've had? Is there anything that springs to mind? You said, well, actually, is it just literally they need to talk more or is there a better way that needs to, to be expressed to, to allow that joining to happen? Because I think as anyone listens to you, whether they're in the, the country or the city, I don't think anyone would disagree with what you've just said. So, so how do we actually get it to join better? Yeah, I, I think um, learning some of the ways that our First Nation people managed the land prior to us arriving here, you know, 250 plus years ago, um, that would probably be a good start. I mean, their methods are um, un unmatched in the sense that Russell Mullet from Glawak, he explained that you only have to, to um, burn burn up to a knee, knee height. You don't have to do these massive burns in order to prevent. And I think there's a, um, you know, the, the, the argument is, well, what's happening to our ozone, ozone layer and what's happening to the animals and, and the forests when we do do this backburning? Well, if we go back to what the Indigenous did in the past um, and recognise their methods, we might see that, that they, the prevention that they put in place through these um, cool burns and cool temperate burns um, actually prevented the major burns from coming. Um, so that was one thing that, that I learned. And then it's incredible what you can learn from the youth. I mean, the fact that they, they're so passionate about climate change and, and perhaps some of us in the city need to um, make 
some adjustments in what we buy and, and, and the rubbish that we're, we're putting out there and all of this impacts our climate. And, and that's something that we all need to, to be across and, and be well aware of. And, and yes, there's people out there fighting for that, but I think if we open up that conversation more and we're, we're showcasing that to our younger generation, then perhaps we can, um, we can make a really positive impact. Yeah. If I was to ask the question, you know, it's called Beyond the Fire. If the, how did you, as you went into it, what did you imagine Beyond the Fire was going to mean? And then did it change as you went through those conversations? What is Beyond the Fire actually mean for people throughout Gippsland? Well, that's a really, really great question. And one I haven't been asked yet. Um, I think, well, initially Beyond the Fire was really, again, showcasing those heartfelt stories at the grassroots level um, that perhaps the media had lost. Um, so it was going beyond just the fire because we all focus on the fire, but then, you know, the pandemic comes along and it sweeps it off our screens and out of our minds. But it was going beyond that, that point where they've been forgotten and going, no, hey, this is still going on. So that was what it meant initially. And did it change um, through the process? I, th I think it, you know, it, every, every, everything grows um, through the process but I think it still really is about what's what's beyond the fire you know it, in in the mental health space uh, particularly um, we all need to whether whether it's a, a bushfire or a fire in our life you know we all experience fire um, what's beyond that that season what's beyond that circumstance that feels like a fire and you feel like you're in that intense moment where um, you're impacted deeply what's beyond that well beyond that is hope and what springs forth out of those ashes and, and beautiful new things grow. You know, many of us looked at those magnificent trees up there and, and they're all black and burnt, but out of those trees spring forth this magnificent green growth. And it, it looks quite extraordinary. I love that, that vision because it speaks to me about no matter how burnt we become in life, there's always new growth. And, and we need to have that positive mindset to recognize that beyond the fire, there is something greater. There is something more hopeful um, in our in our vision. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, look, we wish you all the best. Um, you know, it's obviously had a huge amount of people watching it on the telly and I'm sure there'll be a whole lot more watching it on 10 play as well as we, we go forward with beyond the fire. Um, Danielle, do you have the next idea on your head already of, of what you want to be doing? Cause what I love about you is you've always got some idea of something else that you, you're sort of being challenged to, to take up. Um, yeah, I, if I'm honest, I, I do. <laughs> I love and it. I'm not going to tell you. So there you go. That's a, no. <laughs> yeah, my hubby and I have just been actually talking all week about a couple of um, ideas we've got. And yeah, we're, we, we always pray about what, what we want to do next. We never want to step out before God. And we always want to make sure that what we're doing is in line with what he wants us to do. Because at the end of the day, you can't fight every battle um, and you're only called to to stand up for certain things, but our heart is always for injustice and always for the heart of humanity. So um, yeah, whatever project we do do, I, I hope that it aligns with those two things. I'm sure it will. Uh, Danielle, we thank you so much for your time and wish you all the best with uh, all of what is beyond the fire and all those next things to come as well. Thank you so much, Clayton. You're amazing and uh, God bless you and, and the entire audience. Danielle McAlpine-Johnson, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.